Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to a special edition of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. I'm your host, Jason Evans. You know me on the DBR boards as Jason Evans. I'm joined on very short notice by Donald Wine. He is blazing DW on the boards. Donald, say hello. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, what's going on is um, something unprecedented uh, at Duke University. Rashid Suleiman um, was summarily dismissed from the team. Um, the statement came just a few hours ago from Coach K. We are we're just sort of throwing this podcast together at the last minute, everybody, just to tell you sort of what we think about this, and you know, hopefully, uh, you'll respond and let us know what you think about it. It's uh, uh, as I said, it's something that has never happened before um, under Coach K's tenure at Duke. Um, the statement that Coach K made. Um, indicated that there had been a, uh, I guess, I don't want to know if you want to say a series of incidents, but a series of things that had happened over the course of time, and that sort of, you know, the last straw had had finally fallen, and the last straw had broken the camel's back, and um, that Duke was parting ways, or the Duke basketball team was parting ways with, with Rashid Suleiman. Um, uh, I believe he's still, uh, you know, allowed to continue to do his studies at Duke University if he wants to. Um, the statement said it had nothing to do with academics. Um, there have been some investigations that say uh, there's nothing in the legal system pending against Rashid. Uh, but the statement also said that there wasn't really a possibility of him ever being allowed back onto the team. We are not going to speculate about what it is that caused this to happen. Um, it may be that over the course of the next several hours, several days, we learn you know, a little bit more about what it was that caused this to happen. Uh, what Donald and I are, are here doing right now is we're going to talk about what this means to the Duke basketball team moving forward. So, Donald, with that preface by me, what do you think this does to a team that is coming off a loss uh, and, and is preparing for what everyone says will be the toughest game of the year, a game at Virginia this weekend? Well, I, I think it – first of all, I, I, I just want to say that I think it's taken me – we're recording this podcast about 11 p.m. on the East Coast – and uh, this story probably dropped about five o'clock this afternoon, and it's taken that long for me to pick up my jaw off the floor. It's it's just shocking um, that this has happened, and, and and I hate to say it, like you know, there's death in the family, but you know, it's this is unprecedented, like you said, it's it's uncharted territory, and we kind of don't know how to react to it. Um, and so I think everyone's first reaction um, was one of shock, and I think that was the correct one, but. Going forward, I think it changes our season completely. Um, you know, with with Shemi transferring out and now with Sheed gone, we're down to I believe eight scholarship players and two walk-ons. So this really changes the dynamic of our team. It really shortens our bench, and and we know that in the past Coach K has played with a short bench, but it seems that this year he had uh, utilized a little bit more of the bench. Even though in the times when when we were close in games, he had gone to the short bench. But it really shortens our bench and, and really brings foul trouble into uh, into play with every game that we play from here on out. And uh, doing this less than 48 hours before what I would say is the biggest you know game on our schedule so far this year um, really comes as a you know I, I keep saying the word shock, but that's what it is. It's I'm I'm kind of disbelief that uh, whatever she had done to warrant this has taken place. Um, I feel sorry for him. I, I I wish him well, and and I also feel sorry for the entire team, because I, I know this isn't easy on them to kind of uh, have to do deal with this and now deal with all these questions going into such a big game. Uh, yeah, you know, so we'll deal with, I guess, each sort of step of this uh, as we come to it. The, the first thing I want to talk about is how the team deals with it. You set that up nicely. Um, 
the the reports we've heard and look who knows what's true and who knows what's not true but the reports we've heard are, were that the team was called into sort of a hastily called meeting this afternoon um and that they were given the news that rashid had been had been kicked off the team and that his teammates were shocked you know i don't know how you go out and practice after that the nature of a college basketball team especially one like duke that is traveling around the country so much that is in the media spotlight um, as much or more than, um, uh, you know, just in fact, many NBA teams aren't in the media spotlight as much as Duke is. These guys bond. They come together. They are a family. Look, we saw it just last weekend when Coach K won his thousandth game. Um, there, it was, you know, it was all these guys hugging each other, hugging their coach. Rashid was one of the first guys to go hug Coach K. And I think that there has to be some expectation that they're, they're, they're not going to be able to function the way they normally function, at least for a little while. And they don't yeah. have much time. They don't, they have, don't much time. have much time at all. At all. Um, they, it's like I said, less than 48 hours. And, you know, if we go by what they normally do as far as uh, the routine before a road trip, they're probably leaving for Charlottesville sometime tomorrow. So they really, you know, they're going to have to go to their classes tomorrow and, and get questions from, from their peers and from their classmates and from their professors and anyone else that they run into. Um, is going to be a really shaky 24 hours for them, and it's going to be imperative that they find a way to remain focused uh, w with each other. You know, and in the end, you know, I like to think that we're all part of the Duke basketball family. Coach K loves to say that we're part of Duke basketball family, but right now I'm concerned about those 10 guys on the team right now bonding together and coming together and basically getting their mind on the task at hand, which is, going to John Paul Jones Arena on Saturday and being the 10 against the world, so to speak. And, and I really think that that's going to uh, affect the game plan for, uh, I don't, I'm sorry, not the game plan, but I think it'll affect their mental psyche going into this weekend. But I really hope they can find a way to get focused. Well, well, I'll jump in. I'll say it affects the game plan, in my opinion. I think that what we're going to see from Duke going forward, and let's move, we, we've moved from how the team reacts, let's move to from a strategic standpoint, how the, how the team reacts. Mm -hmm. I think Duke will play more zone going forward. Rashid Suleiman was perhaps our best man-to-man, -man, you know, DM-up guy. Um, uh, you know, either him or Matt Jones were the two really locked down, in-your-face defenders. So I think we now play a little more zone um, because we don't have one of those guys who would have been a great lockdown man-to-man -man defender for us. Um, obviously, it impacts Matt Jones's playing time. I'll tell you who's playing time. I think it impacts a lot. A lot of people are going to be tempted to say Grayson Allen. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. I, I think Grayson has wonderful potential. But what from what I've seen, you know, in games where he got in against really good competitive teams, I think the game's still moving a little too fast for him. Um, I, I think he's a little turnover prone. He looks a little lost at times. He has wonderful skills, and he's going to be good for Duke someday. I think the guy who's playing time gets impacted a lot is Plumley, because I think this is going to open Duke up to playing um, Winslow more on the wing and less at the four. And as a result, as opposed to having Winslow sort of be part of the, the big man rotation, which he had been at some times earlier this year, I think the big man rotation really now exclusively becomes Okafor, Jefferson, and Plumley. I think you're going to see very little of Winslow at the four because we don't have enough guards necessarily to fit around 
you know, fit around the perimeter with him playing the four. What, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think you're spot on. Um, you know, when I was when I was talking with, with a couple of friends about it earlier today, uh, just about how our, our makeup is, we basically, if you break it down, we kind of have four guards and we have four, you know, uh, front court players. And I throw Winslow into the front court very loosely, uh, but I do feel, like you said, he's going to play a little bit more in the wing, um, especially in the zone. And I think that you're going to really have to rely on a rotation, which we have for, you know, a good chunk of the season, uh, a front court rotation of uh, uh, Jalil Okafor, uh, Emil Jefferson, and Marshall Plumlee off the bench. So, yeah, I think Marshall is going to, you know, he's the one where uh, I think is going to be the key. I think the game has slowed down for him considerably this year, um, something that you mentioned that hasn't happened yet with Grayson Allen, and I agree with you there. Uh, but it has slowed down. I've seen Marshall kind of come – become a little bit more comfortable with in his own skin on the court. And that's really going to need to improve uh, very quickly. Um, I don't think it's, I think it's a lot to ask for Grace Allen to do the same thing, but I think a lot of our players are going to have to kind of step up very quickly and, and, and have the game slow down for them. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tall task for me to say that it's easier said than done, but um, that's kind of where we're at right now. The other thing I want to talk about is, and, and I hesitate to say this, I don't want to sound like um, I'm glad Rashid is gone. Nothing could be further from the truth. That said, I wonder a little bit if this maybe makes Duke a little bit better on offense at least, because Rashid had really sort of fallen in love with hero ball, with taking the ball to the basket on his own and uh, – it wasn't really working for him um, with the exception of the game against Pittsburgh um, where he was four of six. He hasn't had a game where he shot over 50% from the floor um, since Wake Forest. Uh, you know, he was down around 30% or less um, against NC state against Miami against Louisville against St. John's against Notre Dame. Um, he was, he was shooting the ball a pretty fair amount. He was, you know, driving the ball to the basket, but, Good things weren't happening all that often for him. And I wonder if maybe now, I think Duke used to rely on him to create for us when he was in the game. And I I wonder if maybe we'll be a little bit better offensively without him trying to force things for himself. And again, I don't want that to sound like I'm happy he's gone, not by any stretch of the imagination. But what what's your feeling about, about that? We talked about defense a little bit. What's your feeling about how Rashid affects the offense? Well, I, I look for us on Saturday to actually be a little bit more spread out on offense. Um, I, I, you know, Quinn will like to, likes to drive a little bit. So does Tyus. But that's, you know, I, I want to say that's not really their first uh, attack move. Their first, you know, for Tyus, it is to try and feed the post. And with Jalil and Emil down there, it's going to be just those two. And, you know, Winslow will be out in the wing. Um, Tyus and Quinn will be out in the wing or Grayson Allen. Um, and so I think the it's, it's hard to piece this together because we're kind of, you know, ladies and gentlemen out there, we're kind of going with the flow with this because we're, you know, still trying to gather all this. But I, I do think that we'll be a lot more spread out. With Sheed on the ball, I felt like we packed it in a little bit more um, and then tried to spread out the last minute as he would drive to the lane or if he tried to play uh, for a long shot, a, a long three-pointer um, in, in not, I don't want to say garbage time, but down, down the stretch. But uh, I think... 
we can play a little bit more balanced and a lot more spread out and hopefully draw um, some of uh, UVA's defenders out, which would create more space for these drives and, and have a little bit more balance to have some passing lanes um, so that there isn't one option to try and go up into a block. Um, it's kind of easier to find the open man or find the lane that you can you know, get an easy basket. Now, the other thing I think it impacts offensively is um, his three-point shooting will be very sorely missed. Uh, this is a guy who is a pretty consistently above 40% three-point shooter. If you're above 40%, you're a pretty darn good three-point shooter. Um, I think that that Duke has sort of gone from being a team that was a really good three-point shooting team to maybe one that's just sort of average or so. Um, uh, Quinn Cook can be uh, very, very good from three. It is a little streaky, though. Um, but like Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow, they aren't guys who, who are going to take a lot of threes for you. Um, and, uh, and Matt Jones is certainly, uh, you know, he's, he's not sort of a natural shooter uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so I think it, it, it will affect us. And I think you may see teams packing it in a little bit more against Duke, um, trying to cut off, uh, you know, the play of our big men um, and giving us the outside shot a bit more. Um, this is a great opportunity for Quinn Cook, I think, to step up and make an even bigger impact than he already has and, and show that in February and March he can be the player that he often is in November and December. Yeah, and, and you said I think I thought she was our most consistent three-point shooter. Um, he himself could be a little streaky at times, but I think without him, uh, I, I even go as far to say is we're not as good a three-point shooting team as we are with him on the floor. Um, most of our players are pretty streaky in that regard. If they're on, they're on fire. Um, but when they're off, when we go cold, they're, you know, she was still kind of that guy that could still get the, knock the three ball down even when the rest of the team seemed like the lid was on the jar. So uh, I think, yeah, I do think the packet in defense will be employed against us a little bit more. And sometimes they're going to dare us to shoot. And it's going to be uh, – we're really going to need to see the leadership of Quinn Cook and Emil Jefferson – it's, it's now more important than ever um, to get these guys uh, in line. And I think I'm glad we have these guys on our team still because I think these, you know, both Quinn and Emil have the leadership moxie to pull the team together. Um, but, but that's exactly what needs to happen. The, the one other place that, that I think this affects Duke just a little tiny bit, um, and this, this impacts Duke next year, uh, Rashid Suleiman was going to be around next year in all likelihood. Um, and he was going to be someone that most people considered, a, you know, a starting wing for us. Um, this maybe opens up um, some wing minutes for Duke next year. Uh, you know, obviously it opens up this year, but uh, but next year as well. And Duke is still heavily recruiting Brandon Ingram, who's a kid from the state of North Carolina. He's also considering UNC. He's one of the top 15 or so players in the country. Um, he is a wing. And Brandon Ingram could look at this and say, well, there's my spot. If I come to Duke, you know, I, I feel pretty good about at least having a good chance to compete um, and, and getting serious minutes on the wing. So, uh, you know, maybe long term, there's a little bit of a blessing there, uh, you know, in, in uh, allowing us to perhaps be a little more attractive to to a potential recruit who's coming in. Uh, Donald, do you got anything else you want to add before we sort of wrap up this uh, surprising, shocking edition of the DBR podcast? No, I, I, I really think that. Um you know, we all need to just kind of, there's been a lot of speculation out there. You, you mentioned it early uh, in this emergency podcast and, and the fact that we even have an emergency podcast just, just pains me because I think it's just a, you know, a 
really, you know, shocking, disbelieving story. But there's been a lot of speculation. You know, I would just ask everybody to kind of let the let everything come out or not come out and respect where everybody's coming from, respect where, you know, uh, Sheed's privacy, respect the team's privacy. And and we really need to be behind this team on Saturday. Um, Everybody, you know, put it in your, put it in your Rolodex, put it in your, your smartphones, whatever. If you didn't have plans to watch the game on Saturday, the team needs our support now more than ever. Um, Let's get behind them and let's, let's, put this behind us and, and move forward as, as a big dude basketball family. So that's very well stated, Donald. You're absolutely right. We need to support them. And, you know, one final thing that just came to me that I wanted to mention before we go, I feel like I've figured out and it just struck me like a thunderbolt who this situation reminds me of, uh, you know, going back to the mid nineties and Donald, I don't know if you were a fan back then to recall this kid, um, Ricky Price, who, what was at Duke and was an amazing talent. He was one of the best scorers in the, in the history of the state of California. And uh, Ricky Price is one of these guys who uh, I would watch him play. And I would think this is a kid with unlimited potential. This is a kid who will be in the NBA one day. And then Ricky Price got in trouble for cheating in a computer science class. Um, And he was forced to take, uh, I believe it was a year off, from basketball. He missed like the second half of one season and the first half of the next. And when he came back, he was sort of never the same. I'm not saying that this is the same situation. Nowhere close. And in fact, we know that Rashid Suleiman was not um, involved in any academic problems. At least that's what we've been told. But it feels to me as a fan like the same kind of thing because it was a guy who I would see him out there and sometimes I'd go, oh my God, he's the best player on the floor right now. And it wasn't just occasionally that 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 happened. It was pretty often that I would have moments where I would go, Rashid Suleiman is taking over this game in a way that only he can. But then I would get frustrated at other times, and and he he wouldn't perform the way you expected. And and his career, look at the career path. He he was a double digit scorer as a freshman. He was a little under ten points a game as a sophomore, and this year as a junior, he's only seven points a game. Now you know, not that points are the end all be all, but. to me, it feels like Ricky Price and that I'm sort of frustrated that here's another kid that I thought really was going to end up being, uh, you know, a team leader, one of the greats, and, and his career is going to go down as one that was oh so disappointing. Do you remember Ricky Price at all, Donald? Yeah, I remember, uh, you know, Ricky Price. I wasn't as big a Duke basketball fan back then, but I do remember that story. Um, that story was a national story. But uh, I, I think this hits harder because it's – you know, I, and not to not to say that anyone who transfers out of the program doesn't hit as hard or doesn't hit as hard or whatever. But uh, you know, when someone transfers out, there's you know rumors of it. There's uh, inklings that it's going to happen, and when it does happen, you're not completely surprised by it. Uh, it may be because they have, but you know, they want more playing time. They may not fit well in the program. They may see the writing on the wall with regards to play, uh, competition. Uh, and players coming in, but you kind of see it coming and you can react to it. This one just kind of hits out of the left field kind of in the same way that the Ricky Price uh, story did. And I, I think that's kind of what is shocking because I can't recall anything since then that has been so uh, out of the blue. Um, you know, like, like we said, she played last night, played played 12 minutes last night, and today he's no longer a part of the Duke basketball program. So that's kind of a... a a very, very, you know, wide spectrum to go, to fall in 
just under 24 hours. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm sure we'll learn more as the days move on. And obviously, we'll learn a great deal more on Saturday when Duke faces Virginia. Um, the uh, the eight guys we have, this is uh, the eight scholarship players we have. This is who who we're bringing to the table. And um, I, I'm, I'm sure they will play their hardest. And, and like you said a few moments ago, oh so eloquently and oh so accurately. Um, we got to we got to root for them hard. They're going to they're going to need our psychic energy <laughs> to help them out to help them out it's going to be a very very tough game um i'll be i'll be rooting for them and if there's anybody who who's able to get his team focused and performing the best they can in difficult situations it's uh it's that guy with a thousand wins on the sidelines uh coach k so uh all right so that that's it for this special edition of the dbr podcast thanks so much for joining us um i am jason evans my colleague donald wine thank you sir Thanks a lot, and we'll see you guys uh, later on this weekend. Yep, exactly. Go Devils.